Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. He decided that being a narcissist wasn't cool anymore, so he commissioned a bus. Hey, I'm ready. All right, foot back. <laughs> Begins with a U and ends with an A. Has a meal dish up there. Monday Night Raw, number one. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. As the other Cultaholic lads contemplate some easing measures out of quarantine, we are here via our Ica Pro Power DeLorean distinct lack of ease in the weird new generation era of professional wrestling that we are chronicling and critiquing thank you OSW review every single week and who be we well I be fake Geordie radio presenter without portfolio former cultaholic heavyweight champion the proprietor of isolation station 24601 tom campbell i'm with the bear in the big blue parkade the head pen of cultaholic the man who if you were to offer him a pen he would say two things number one what are you doing in my house you're not meant to be here stay home protect the health service and save lives and two anyway don't even need your pencil because i'll just throw it at you and push it in your face valerie because i use a pen because I get it right every time. He is Justin Henry, and for his sins, he is off of America. Good day, Tommy. How are you? Good day to you, too. Uh, we are all good this side of the water. Thank you, sir. Uh, the talk of the town is that tomorrow we may start easing out of isolation, out of quarantine, which may mean, touch wood, that a pub or two opens. Uh, yes, it's, uh, it's longer overdue for drinking time, is it not? Uh, well, it's drinking time never stopped, but it's more not drinking at home, which <laughs> is the problem. <clears throat> or if you're um, or if you're accidents that way, unless you're counting um, unintended births. Oh, that's very true. <laughs> and uh, are things good at your neck of the woods, on your side of the water? Uh, pretty good. It's spring, although by the time you hear this on Saturday. We'll be experiencing an unseasonably cold day for the month of May. Ooh, unseasonably cold, you say? Well, some parts of New England, which is like Massachusetts and uh, Connecticut, that whole area up there, it has a possibility of snow for Saturday morning. 
Wow, snow in May. See, I'd love that because right now, um, normally we record in, in the spare room slash the office at home, uh, whereas today I've moved out to the, the, the living room where I'm overlooking the city of Newcastle-upon-Tyne and it is a beauty of a day which makes me all the more mad for being stuck indoors. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is that if there's snow on the ground, you feel a little bit better because like, I couldn't go outside anyway. Oh, if the weather's crap, I never feel guilty about staying in. But when the weather's lovely, I always have like a twinge of guilt about staying in. But obviously, I'm now being told by the government to stay in, so I feel less of it. But still, it would be easier if the weather was garbage. See, you're a co-conspirator. Absolutely. I very much am. And also, we're 24 hours away from what should be a hilarious pay-per-view in 2020 as we watch people rip up the WWE offices. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, they're going to live vicarious for every smart mark in the world. Uh, question for you. What piece of office furniture would you like to see broken uh, during the Money in the Bank match through WWE HQ? Shane McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> Don't! He'll probably want to jump off the freaking tower. Well, well, that'll save money. I mean, you, know, they, you can't pay a dead person. <laughs> well, that's true. That's very true. He'll impress the investors who, who every time they cut, every time they cut salary in some way, you know, the stock price goes up. Stock we found a way. Still... We found a way to cut some money off the top of <laughs> the uh, of the company. And in an unrelated note, um, Shane McMahon's funeral is next Thursday. <laughs> Everybody stands six feet apart. <laughs> <laughs> he could clear that easy. So before we get into the rigors of Monday Night Raw in 1994, if this is the first time that you have joined us, hi, uh, you're 77 weeks late. Uh, Justin Henry, uh, the head pen of Cultaholic, and myself, every week we get together and we watch every single episode of Monday Night Raw from the very bloody beginning. And whoa, there's been some dogs throughout this. And uh, we are deep. Uh, yeah, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> and other noises. Um, we have been. We're currently in 1994, which is deep in what the WWF are calling the new generation era, where they're trying out new talent and they're bringing in some old ones, and it's a it's a real mixed bag. But before we go to Justin to talk us through this week's episode of Monday Night Raw, I want to paint a little picture of the wrestling world at large mm -hmm. this particular week. Before we do that, actually, when and where are we this week, Justin? Well, we're in the last part of a sh of a taping that was conducted five weeks ago this this show is airing on a monday september the 19th of 1994 this was taped all the way back on august 15th in lowell massachusetts this show is the equivalent of cold lasagna leftovers a week later now this isn't even that this is a this is an oatmeal cookie that fell behind the radiator oh man i love it when we when they do these blocks of tapings within wwe and they'll tape like five weeks worth of shows and here we are in september getting something from august like oh god you can feel the crowd are tired the wrestlers are knackered you can feel it oh, 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 really oh, oh tommy that's nothing well well that feeling is something but watching the old primetime wrestling episode from like 1987 when you're just filling space because wrestlemania's happened and and they have like a few week log where like everyone's at home because they tape so much TV. But for prime time, they're busting out matches from like July of the previous year. It's like you know, here's Greg the Hammer Valentine versus uh, you know, a, a friggin' Nick Kinnitsky or something from from Boston <laughs> Garden. In of course, they don't tell you the day they act, they act like it's fresh. 
Oh, man, that is some grim leftovers. That is grim leftovers. Uh, but to, to give you a painting of the wrestling world at large, uh, the night before this episode of Raw aired, WCW had War Games uh, for 1994. Now, there was a major War Games match that headlined this, which we'll probably talk about in just a second. But there was one particular match on this show that lives in infamy that lasted 35 seconds do you know what that match is justin yes i do it was the match that encapsulated a big change in the company as it was originally supposed to be a u.s title match pitting um champion stunning steve Austin. i'm sorry pitting champion ricky the dragon steamboat against stunning steve stunning steve Austin. however steamboat had to vacate the belt due to a serious back injury and um Olsen won the belt by default. That injury, by the way, for Steamboat ended up ending his career. So that's one grim that's one grim half of this. The other grim half is that Olsen had to defend the belt immediately afterwards and lost in 35 seconds to a debuting Hacksaw Jim Duggan. <laughs> Hello, my friend. We meet again. Well, Duggan! <laughs> which reminds me, we're going to abandon Raw after this episode and jump and jump doing episodes of Saturday Night so we watch Hacksaw Jim Duggan matches since you no, love him so much. No, we are not, mate. No, we are not. We are not touching Duggan with a two-by-four. Um, so this, yeah, this match, it's, it just blows my mind that WCW had Steve Austin before he was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. And they they put him in a match with Jim Duggan and Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin, loses in 35 seconds. To Hacksaw Jim Duggan. This is the height of Hogan and Pals at WCW. This really is. I believe the entire match was a back body drop and a splash. Oh, my. I thought, was it not you? Because, no, I've not seen this. I feel like I might watch this later on just because my blood pressure hasn't been up in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, and I, I, I'm surprised it wasn't the old charging clothesline that finished him off. No, they weren't paying Hacksaw because it was finish. <laughs> his finish has his own appearance fee. Uh, also on that show, have you seen War Games, by the way, as a, as a wrestling historian? Yes, I have. I've seen the okay. whole show. Uh, we'll have a little wander through the card. Uh, Brad and Brian Armstrong beating Bad Attitude in a dark match. Bad Attitude. Um, wow, that that harkens back. That's a hell of a team, that is. Uh, Johnny B. Bad beat Lord Stephen Regal for the WCW TV <clears throat> title. He beat him so bad he couldn't save War Games two hours later. <laughs> <laughs> and if I do love the the little bit of histoire, l'histoire, the the man who would become synonymous with saying war games in 2019 uh, was was featured in the start of this pay per view. I just like stuff like that. It makes me smile. A quarter century earlier. Oh man, Kevin Sullivan with Dave Sullivan, who would become Evan Sullivan. Do you get it? Because he's dyslexic. That's not um, how it works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> That is that is exact. Look, if you ask a WCW writer how dyslexia works, it is spelling your name backwards. That is how it works. All right. <laughs> and it was Kev versus Cactus. That, Loser leaves Dub C Dub. That's right, Mott. <laughs> um, Thank you, Nid Nidstidge. Nidstidge. <laughs> uh, Duggan and Austin. That happened. Uh, pretty wonderful, Paul Orndorff and Paul Roma. I wish they just called them the Pauls. Um, <laughs> defeated Stars and Stripes, the Patriot of Marcus Alexander Bagwell for the tag titles. They could have been the Paul Mall and, and, and come out throwing cigarettes to fans. 
Or <laughs> the or the Pall Mall, and they'd be expensive on Monopoly. Um, <laughs> how about this? A triangle elimination match. Well, this is a this this is straight out of I just left I left WWF WWE. Here comes the pain on auto career mode. Okay. Vader versus Sting versus the Guardian Angel. The Guardian Angel is a uh, big boss man playing a literal Guardian Angel, not like the heavenly thing but the um guys in the red berets who uh protect people on the streets and are very noble but it was a very odd odd period in his career uh i should point out here seven months before this ecw perfected the three-way dance or the triple threat match with sabu shane douglas and terry funk the night the line was crossed mm-hmm. the wwf a month later couldn't even co-op that so they had the Bret Hart, Lex Luger, Yokozuna debacle where a coin flip determined to order they face Yoko at WrestleMania, while the other person had to face a suitable challenger, Bret versus Owen. So that was pretty convoluted. And here we have a triangle match where it's one guy faces one guy and the winner faces the other guy. Sting gets next in this. So they can't even like to have like a, a, a bog standard triple threat match because it's so novel at the time that no one's even caught on to it other than ecw it's just so funny to me to see these big companies struggling with the concept of a triple threat match it's like trying to it's it's like trying to teach somebody like like trying to get somebody to answer a maths question whilst as they as they're just waking up like it feels like they can't (laughs) quite fathom what so Three in the ring at the same time. Yeah, yeah, three in the ring at the same time. Right, so it starts with two and then another. No, 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 all at the same time. Right, so one-on-one and then the other guy has another opponent. No, 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 you put just three in the ring at the same time. That's it. Right, so there's two start. No, three start. Oh, I don't know. How is? I'm just amazed at how they are. I don't know whether they thought that ECW had the right to... To the to the triangle match, but they they this is so convoluted. This match went half an hour. It, it was either really good or really bad. Yeah, it's like whoever tried to come up with the way around it, or like like how to get three guys into a match, and it ends up like Patrick Starfish with the uh, board nailed to his forehead. <laughs> yeah. Or that or that gif of um, Zach Galifianakis with uh, all the math puzzles around him. And That's he... kind of like the triangle match. <laughs> And then he ends up with the board nailed to his forehead. <laughs> and then you had the War Games match on top. It was the stud stable, Terry Funk, Arn Anderson, Bunkhouse Buck, Colonel Robert Parker. That's my dream team. Meng. That is a dream. Meng in there as well. That's a flipping killer's row, that is. It's the best stable uh, ever. Oh, and you talk, hey, mate, you haven't seen who they're up against. <laughs> Dusty Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes, and the Nasty Boys. So Dustin, his father, and one of his uncles. <laughs> oh, uh, Nobs? Sags. Oh, Sags. Sa- okay, fair enough. Sags and Typhoon are both married to Dusty's sisters. What? So there's a wrestling family that includes Dusty Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes, Cody Rhodes, Brandy, Jerry Sags, and the Shockmaster. <laughs> this is this is amazing. This is amazing. I had no idea. So when Cody talks about... <laughs> when Cody says there's only one wrestling royal family, that family contains Tugboat. <laughs> Yes, and the Shockmaster. See, all the and gimmicks the have their, the three faces of Ottman. <laughs> John, <laughs> I want a Rhodes family portrait based on the information that you now have. I want a Rhodes family portrait. 
Wait, tag wait, Cody wait. in it. Wait, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I do apologize. I found Sags's uh, Wikipedia says his sister-in-law was married to, to, to Dusty, so I'm guessing Sags and Dusty just married two women who happen to be sisters. Ah, close enough. <laughs> put, put him in the portrait anyway. <laughs> it's, the, it's the same as my, my loose connection to Noddy Holder from Slade. So that's fine. We'll accept that. And technically, you could throw in, uh, you know, Terry Ronalds as part of the Rhodes family, because since he was, uh, or she was uh, in there for a while, that's one hell of a wrestling family. That is that that is an odd family reunion, <clears throat> if, I ever was, if there ever was one. So I'm hoping then, when Arn eventually turns on Cody, mm-hmm. that we'll have Tugboat replace him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, uh, it could be the Shockmares. Oh... I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Uh, Justin, what was this show like? Because I've not seen all of War Games '94. What was it like? I got the impression that it was pretty sad. I would say it was. I would say, I'd say it was more so-so than anything. War Games was definitely an upgrade over the year before. That was the one where Shockmaster made Booker T submit to a bear hug. <laughs> um, this was just. It was all right. Other than the Doug and Austin debacle, like nothing was great. Other than Vader Sting. And nothing was like outwardly terrible. It was kind of just there. It was um, it wasn't quite the WWE that you remembered if, if you're a fan at the time, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. So I would say it was like, even War Games is like an, is fairly average. It's two things uh, from the there's two bits of fallout from that show that Dave Meltzer talks about in the Wrestling Observer. Uh, the first being that Vader is now the guy in line to face Hulk Hogan the WCW Championship at Starcade. So the main event they're looking towards is Hogan versus Vader. I know, right? I know. We, uh, we, 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 can, we can dream. That, that would have been better than what we got, um, which we'll talk about as we get closer to it. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Oh, man. We were that bad. Um, not as bad as Steve Austin. So <laughs> Steve Austin... I laugh now because I'm sure he's I'm sure he's over it. Because after losing to Jim Duggan in 30 seconds on pay per view, Steve Austin then goes home to find out that his house had been flooded. Man, so that's a tough weekend, isn't it? Not only not only not only have you lost to Duggan in 30 seconds, but now you need to call a plumber. I don't know which is worse. What's the hat trick? Eric Bischoff pours sugar in his gas tank. <laughs> I'm sure Bischoff considered it a few months after this because I'm trying to think when it would be that Steve Austin would actually leave, well, be be fired from WCW a year later, be, a year, a year la- on from this. Oh, he stopped. Oh, gosh, he stopped wrestling around May or June because he tore his tricep. But I think he was released sometime in September of '95 because right after that he does the Steve Mania promo in ECW, and well, it, it began his ascent, his true ascent. Um, on the subject of, um, we'll do one more little bit before you get into the episode. Uh, on the subject of major title challenges, so um, it's looking like Hogan and Vader at this point for Starcade '94, mm-hmm. uh, according to reports from Dave Meltzer. Uh, Bret Hart uh, has already got another new opponent for the title. They've already made. It's been a week since we talked about it. They've already gone cold on Jim Nidar as a present. Mm-hmm. As a championship opponent, who are they? Who are they pitching to face Bret Hart next? Can you remember what the Observer said? Well, I have the Observer up, so I already saw it. Would that be? Um... Uh, but it is. Uh, it is a fascinating name, considering he was a former world title challenger. Mm-hmm. He once main event WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. 
he happened to have lived uh, less than an hour away from me. <laughs> is that is, was that by design? Like, does he just like being near you? <laughs> well, yes, we were very fond of one another when he was alive. Uh, his favorite, his favorite ice cream flavor is Chunky Monkey. <laughs> he is. It a... is. It is. They found out in that episode of Weird Science he was in. That's right, and he was also um, mm-hmm. he was also on Married with Children on two occasions. He was indeed. We yeah. are, of course, talking about King Kong Bundy. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> oh. So, according to Meltzer, uh, the European tour was strong, uh, with the exception of the UK dates, where uh, great. Uh, next tour will be on in November, and it will see head, it'll be headlined by Bret Hart versus King Kong Bundy. Brackets, which pretty well guarantees Bundy slot as top contender after Neidhart's run is over. They've already moved on. Uh, from Jim Nidart mentally at this point. And it's like, it's weird because it's like the push that hasn't even begun yet because they've just started doing it on the European circuit has already been shuffled on and moved on. Well, you have to realize that what's what makes Nidart's matches watchable on TV is that Owen stands at ringside and yells at the camera for half of them. It does. Owen's like the Oscar of the duo. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... John, um... Uh, John, I've only said your name by, like, it's a bit of a Pavlovian response to something funny Justin said. I don't quite know how, what I'm pitching to you right now. I'm still figuring that out as I'm talking. Um, but it involves Owen Hart and Oscar. Uh, um, well, Oscar, even. I don't like it calling her Oscar. She's not from Men on a Mission. There you go. There's the thing. Uh, just give us Oscar and Men on a Mission. <laughs> yeah, but could Owen Hart get, you know, five million YouTube viewers for putting, like, a jigsaw puzzle together or something? <laughs> There you go. There you go. Just, give us that. Give us that. Just give us that. Mate. Thank you, John. I'm, I'm sure everybody's watching it for the simple art form of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's uh, a bit of budget around the house. There's a few other bits from the Observer that I will uh, drop in as we roll through this week's episode. Justin, over to you, my friend. Well, we start off this uh, very warmed-over taped episode of Raw with uh, we showed Tatanka's split. Er, but the Tonka's heel turn from SummerSlam again with very ominous music behind it. We cut the superstars over the weekend where DiBiase arrives with the Tonka, who is wearing one sharp-ass looking suit. The Tonka is oh, yeah. dapper in the suit. And they're on the Heartbreak Hotel. They're talking about the, the Tonka's, the Tonka's talking about the value of a dollar. He says, or rather the value of a million dollars. And him and DiBiase laugh together. <laughs> that fake-ass laugh. Yeah. The Tonka does in that bit. Yeah. Just, it's literally he's trying so hard to be charismatic, and yeah. <laughs> it's a struggle. Okay, I I know I reference The Simpsons a lot on this show. It's okay. Which is I should be fine because it's one of the greatest shows of all time. Do you remember the Beer Baron episode? Oh, you might have to remind me. Where um there was prohibition in Springfield. And Homer was funneling beer while trying to avoid this very um, Elliot Ness-like figure voiced by uh, Dave Thomas. They, oh, yes, I do remember that one. I do remember that one. Yeah, there was a scene toward the end where, um, the, the beer, where, where this character, his name is Rex Banner, says, like, the idea that he, that he could operate under my nose is just laughable. And, but he's so sure that he can't even, like, fake a laugh. He's like... <laughs> It's like it's like a really awkward attempt at laughing, like someone who's never laughed before in their entire life. That's what it was like. <clears throat> the Tonka's like um, 
like, like, okay, I've seen D Bassy do this before. I can do this. Let me try. <laughs> How was that? Eh, good enough. It what other than the post? Don't worry. Terrible. It was a terrible. It was a terrible fake laugh. It was just. I I I kind of I like how Tatanka's throwing himself into the role, but man, he he really I don't. And it, it's sad to hear that you hear these other stories about how like Chris Chavis became a bit of a diva. Uh, and, a, and, a, and a bit difficult because man, he's he is getting a push way beyond his his pay grade. For the, you know, I'm, I'm being really honest. Like watching this guy, like the pops were great for him, but he never really just exuded that much charisma. You know, this role should have gone to. In all seriousness, go on. I was thinking which babyface could have pulled off the, uh, you know, the um, morally uh, superior babyface you calls Luger out. I don't need to basically reveal that, that I'm the one who's talking about the entire time. Even though he's smaller than Luger here, and maybe they wanted just a bigger guy for the con, for the, for the physical matchup, Bob Holly. Ooh. Because Bob Holly could pull off, you know, the arrogant heel demeanor, as, as proven with, with, with hardcore Holly years later. You know, give him the haircut back then and make him look a little bit more, uh, you know, prim and proper. I think he could have pulled this off. I think we just didn't know enough, or Vince didn't know enough about Bob's range at this point to uh, to put the to, to put the trust in him for it. And I think he was so keen on getting to Tonka over in some way that uh, this is where we are. We're with a heel yeah. Tonka that just works somehow less than the face to Tonka. Like I'm not saying he would have been like MJF or anything, but he would have at least been a better fit for the role, in my opinion, and, and get rid of the NASCAR thing, which. I mean, yeah, he's a race car driver and is legit, but it doesn't make him an interesting performer on camera. Absolutely. No, I'm mentally working my way through the roster now and trying to think if there's anybody that could have done that. But this is this is the the sweet problem with this era. My God, this roster is so thin. On the babyface side of the fence. Oh my God, it's 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 like a desert. Compared to like now, where even after that massive series of layoffs a couple of weeks back, like the roster is still so dense that you could create like a good thirty stars if you really put the time and the effort in. But here, like, gosh, you're like you're, you're fighting for you're, you're looking for scraps. You really yeah. are. And I think Tatanka's probably the the best of a bad bunch. If only Scott Steiner were still there. Oh my God, if Steiner was there. Oh man, like, like the I and and you 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 were, but this is the thing. The reason they left was because they didn't want to split up. But the obvious thing ah, is shit. to have have the Steiners. Oh mate, mate. Okay, right. I shouldn't get too fantasy book mode until uh, TEW comes out next week. But um, oh, I need to. Oh, I should do new generation on that. But no, anyway, have it. You could have had it so the Steiners called out Luger. And had them. You sold out, Lex. You, you knobber. You sold out to Ted DiBiase. <laughs> Scott Steiner would say knobber. He would say knobber. Of course he would. Oi, Lex, you bloody knobber. You sold out to Ted DiBiase. And then at the pay-per-view, uh, you have like a tag match. Maybe it's a six-man tag. <gasps> this is what you do. You have a six-man tag. And, and Scott is laid out backstage. So they're like, oh, Lex did it. Lex probably did it. Two on three. Steiner comes out, batters Lex, batters Rick. It was Scott that sold out. Boom. <laughs> Chef's kisses. You've made a star. Thanks very much. 
Oh, it's certainly better than what we got. It was an oh, mate, that'd have been much better than Tatanka fake laughing. <clears throat> See, this is going to be a fiery episode. We have just got into the opening video. <laughs> Which actually, which point of there are five matches on this show, none of which are any good, but there is one <laughs> segment on this show that will redeem everything. Once, yeah, the one segment here that just blows everything out of the water. One shining moment. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> Savage is at ringside wearing this nice ass black and silver cowboy hat. Savage, this is this is why Savage got basically really good the commentary. He says he didn't see Tatanka's turn coming. <laughs> okay, so you're the one. <laughs> and he said he and he said he would never doubt Lex Luger again, which suggests <laughs> that he doubted him. Uh, this is, given future events, that's a little dis- disconcerting to hear. Oh, tell me about it. Um, it's Luger versus I mean Lawler versus Jersey tonight. Uh, it's finding that big payoff three months later. <laughs> and Backlund's here for an interview with a great promo shot of him yelling at the camera. This is good. I'm excited for this. <laughs> so, I knew what was coming, and I knew you would love this. Like oh, I, my. I, like I saw this coming as as just way beyond the mist. I knew this is going to be your bag. In many ways, what we see on this show tonight, this one bit on this show, is five years ahead of its time. In some ways, yes. Yeah, we'll talk about it when we get there, though. It's five years ahead of its time. But now we go 15 years before its time. Or, <laughs> or, or behind the time. Lex, the Luger, Lex Luger versus The Executioner. <laughs> In a microcosm of Luger's WWF run, he tries to get into the ring, but he has to stop them in order to let Femis Clarity's The Ring Girl walk by. Here's Luger determined. He's headed towards something, but then something gets in his way. <laughs> it's like I, he's so he's so robotic at this point it's like he's programmed i don't know whether it's like you see it i tell you what <laughs> i'll tell you what he's like because i just looked around my living room and i saw something that reminded me of lex luger at this point right he's like a roomba it's like a roomba right <laughs> you were very close he's like a roomba so like he walks down to the ring and he knows what he needs to do but the moment there's like an obstacle he he'll either stop or just bounce the other way like he can't cut co- and it doesn't look natural it doesn't look organic he is just this it, he just it just immediately makes him look uncomfortable oh there's a woman better wait like better stop everything i'm doing and then continue on the motion <laughs> so if you don't use the roomba enough does it leave the house go to a different house and and, and show up for for the big party when and then you realize he's at the party and then you get upset like wait wait what i didn't see that coming if a roomba came down the ramp at the mall of america in 1995 john. i would have been <laughs> john <laughs> a roomba a roomba invading wcw thank you mate <laughs> good luck with that <laughs> we, we have to cheer for him because he fights clean <laughs> well, uh, that's God. it we're wrapping up the episode there that's that's the highlight that's the high note there is no gags that'll top that thanks for coming everybody download the podcast next week <laughs> so so we have this match it's luger versus either hardy or gill in the black body suit and mask i we, thought it might have been gill looking at the uh, the the body shape could have been Dwayne gill 
And Bar- I think I think Barry was on a previous show. Barry Hardy was on a previous episode of the taping. So well, Dwayne and Barry normally ride together. So I assumed it was Dwayne. Well, they're both at the same taping because Hart because Hardy or Tiger King was on last week. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm never thought making that joke now because he looks just like him. He he really does. He really actually the Tiger King joke would just would be an excellent wrestling character anyway. Mm. So the fact that they might have been there in '94 is even better. And I hope it is Dwayne Gill because I, I can say that Luger has less belts in the company than this guy does. <laughs> we have a, we have a very conspicuous mention of WF Magazine writer Lou Gianfrido at ringside because he's doing he's doing an article for the magazine here, and they, in fact he is taking taking copious notes. <laughs> he had an he had a blank he had a blank book in front of him. So like literally that was the first thing he was writing. Uh, for the WF magazine, it was Luger and Executioner. Here he is, check off scribe at ringside. <laughs> Why we're spotlighting him? Uh, because we felt like it. Uh... Thing is, right? This is with this. I I I didn't think anything more of this because this era is so weird with stuff like that. I just saw it as, oh, he probably does write for the magazine. He does. And 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 they're just plugging the magazine in a weird way. Like this era is so odd for stuff like that that it never it never occurred to me that he was going to be a, a part in the show later. I just went, oh, they're just plugging the magazine in a weird way. <laughs> That's fine. Whatever, lads, carry on. <laughs> so, Lou might come in handy later on, mm-hmm. but we'll see. Uh, so Vince is rambling about some girl being upset about the Tonka's actions and. And Vince is going on and on about the whole storyline. He's put a lot of eggs in this Tatanka basket. I feel like this is something that he has written and he has signed off on, so therefore he's keen to get this over. Very much apparently like with Otis at the moment. Apparently Vince is really invested in Otis. Well, that's actually, and... a, well, that's actually a decent angle more than with Otis because he's actually intriguing for a, you know, a sympathetic character, but not all Vince's ideas go, to, go according to plan. <laughs> or they're doing that's the problem. Keep in mind, Vince was also responsible for the Cena Undertaker storyline from two years ago. Oh, was he? I didn't know that. I, I, it was written that that was Vince's baby, and he was in charge of every aspect of it, which explains really a lot. That. I really liked it. The whole thing where, like, and I remember actually, I remember watching that at WrestleMania. In a, we were in a bar watching that back in the day when we could all hang out. Together. That explains it. And it was, <laughs> yeah. But I liked it. It was the whole thing of like the Undertaker hadn't answered Cena's challenge. Cena was sat in the crowd. A, t- a stage hand comes over and whispers something to him. And then you see him legging up the ramp and the crowd pop. Like we know what's happening. I loved all that. That was great. And then the, and then the are lights you... go out. It's Elias. I liked it. Are you angling for a job? No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Vince does a lot of bollocks. No, that goes to that saying. I'm not talking that. I'm not talking just me and yourself. The whole thing before that, Christina's just saying, do something for no reason. All that was Vince also. I mean, that went on a bit. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Now we're back to reality. I would have, I would have liked, although they could have saved it. And I put this on Twitter at the time. They could have saved it if they'd had John Cena start to get really desperate and show up because I think he did like Good Morning America or something where he where he mentioned he called out the Undertaker. Like I want him appearing on everything. Like I want him to appear on like the Young and the Restless, like Mr. Bursting Burns. into a room going Undertaker. Take your head, Bobo. 
Yes, that's it. I want the take. I want. I, I want the Bobo thing from Simpsons. <laughs> John Cena shows up on Guy Fieri's cooking show, pushes Guy Fieri aside. Do something, Taker. He's wearing the flame shirt and has has his hair dyed blonde. Cena. Was it? But was it? It was Bobo, wasn't it? Who yes. the, uh, the the teddy bear that mm-hmm. Mr. Burns had. Speaking of Simpsons references. Yeah, it's a nice little Simpsons reference again. Nice one. Well, this is well, this is not a Simpsons reference. This is a Savage reference. Oh, okay. Brady Savage says the following quote during the match that I had to write verbatim just for reference. <laughs> and it is as follows. A setback for Native Americans all over the world. <laughs> now, <laughs> yes, for all the Native Americans in Siberia and all the Native <laughs> Americans in Chile... And the Native Americans in um, in Luxembourg were, were no doubt upset by a heel turn from a from the second biggest pay per view of the year, <laughs> and it's a setback because this casts a shadow and it puts the Native Americans in um, Zurich, Switzerland, in a bad light. I hope that I was hoping that they would go. We've crossed to Chief J Strongbow for comment. <laughs> and how he feels as a Native American. <laughs> it would have been great. But, but... John, can you do Chief J. Strongbow leaning back into the hedges like that Homer Simpson gift? <laughs> but that was that was an actual six-word set in sequence. Native Americans all over the world. <laughs> There's a problem there. Sometimes he Sometimes he has a half-thought. And then just rolls with it. <laughs> We've all been there. I mean, We're I, tired. I mean, I do love stream of consciousness, Savage. It is, it's, it's entertaining. <laughs> More entertaining than this stupid match with Luger doing arm locks. God, there's a point here where he's where he's trying to catch the masked executioner with an inside cradle. Like, okay, and this is the th- and and that I, that irked me a little bit because like this is your guy who this time last year was the new Hulk Hogan. Like mm. you had but you got behind him as like the leader of this new generation and he was going to be your top guy. A year on, here he is in a preliminary match trying to beat the masked executioner with an inside cradle. This should have been run out thwack rack mm. done. Yeah, why why is Luger wrestling this under it's like can you imagine if yeah. Braun Remember when Braun Strowman had that run of just squashing guys? Yeah. Can you imagine if he took, like, Ellsworth or whoever that they put in front of him and just, like, put him in hammer locks and single, like, takedowns? And No, you throw the guy around. The, 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 you know, they're bump dummies for you to look strong against. But in Luger's trying to... I get it sometimes. Like, you have, like, a Ric Flair who would um, would ha- would sometimes take joy in being in a, 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 a showcase match, an exhibition match, mm-hmm. and would and would put the 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 talent over in that way there was a a guy who he talked about i think it was in rick flair's book where he talked about it and he said to the guy right tonight you're ricky steamboat and the, just for a laugh on tv like he put this guy over mm-hmm. and made him look like a star and it was just just because uh and i'm not and but luger didn't do that here luger didn't at no point did i think oh the mass executioner should be the guy it just looked like luger was out of his depth with a jumper <laughs> Yeah, Luger has has to has to slowly wear this guy down because well maybe his confidence was lacking, who knows? <laughs> he's being a bit sad. But Vince does his best to put Luger over by talking about, you know, how he's a real hero and says that he 
and says that Native Americans are going to follow in Luger's footsteps. <laughs> There's a line outside the Mall of America. We're not sure what's going on here. <laughs> it's all, they're all on their way in. Lex Luger the Pied Piper. Jay Strongbow, you're in the wrong line. You should be in this line <laughs> with your fellow Native Americans. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so Luger went to the torture rack the commentary is more fun than the match not the torture rack though I didn't know until uh, this show you're right, you're right. this had a different name this it, is news to me yes um, for reasons that are not entirely clear the move was called the rebel rack the rebel rack because you see they, they were trying to get over the nickname rebel without a cause for Luger rebel with a cause <laughs> Because apparently Lex Luger is James Dean. <laughs> now, see, James Dean was like the poster boy epitome of cool and sexy in the 50s. So, so A, it's a reference Vince would get. Because it's 1950, whatever, the, the, the James Dean had, had, had his short-lived heyday. And two, the kids have no idea what the hell they're talking about. And three... I think that's the third point I just make because I've lost count already. <laughs> um, Lex Luger is nothing like James Dean at all. James, <laughs> Dean, James Dean wore a leather jacket and was like, you know, the, the cool guy with the cool car. That he, he was understated, but he just had that natural charisma about himself. Lex Luger is the exact opposite of James Dean. There's no rebel spirit in no. a man that went on a coach tour around America. <laughs> Well, he he did have rebel spirit when he took less money to jump ship at WCW. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> ironically, the most rebellious thing he would do would be in leaving the company. Exactly. It's like he decided that being a narcissist wasn't cool anymore, so he got <laughs> so he commissioned a bus. He's a rebel man. He's a re he's a rebel. He chartered his own helicopter to land on the SS Intrepid to slam Yokozuna. <laughs> he's a rebel. I wish you actually. I wish she brought, brought Rebel herself to WWF at this point. That would have been fine. Would she been like four, though? No, she's actually older than me, I think. Oh, is she? Oh, fair enough. I mean, she was on Dynamite last week. That was cool to see her. Oh, it was great to see Rebel again. Yes, her, her in that wonderful Britt Baker segment. Underrated faction, the Menagerie from Impact Wrestling. Oh, yes, wasn't that... um? It was her, Mike Knox... Crazy Rob Steve. Terry, Steve, and Rob Terry. <laughs> Rob Terry, what a what a killer's row. That's um. Have we have one night stand one day so we could have that faction reunited? That is very much a faction where they've gone. We need to build a stable, and we've just got these guys knocking around. <laughs> Let's just put them together. That's when you make like dinner out of just whatever's in the pantry. That is it. It is it is going through the cupboards and going, what can we make for dinner? That's that's what the menagerie was. It was just going through the cupboards to make something for dinner. Okay, let's see. We got some Easy Mac and we got some bite-sized pretzel bites. <laughs> That'll mm. do. That's a dinner. And tap water. Mm, dinner is served. <laughs> that's a faction. Well done, everybody. Uh, yeah, so the Rebel... So that's what this was because I was intrigued as to why they were calling it the Rebel Rack. And and I didn't know that they were trying to push this rebel without a cause thing on Lex Luke because it just doesn't fit. Well, he needs a different costume. He can't like he's wearing. Well, he needs a, a different personality. <laughs> he needs to be a different person altogether. He needs to be in a different company. 
<laughs> what he needs to be is not Lex Luger. <laughs> yes. In any way, shape, or form. He needs to be Max Power. <laughs> <laughs> I got it from a hairdryer. <laughs> I got it from a hairdryer? <laughs> I don't know! By the way, for those, for those of you who... Now that we're self-aware about all the Simpsons references we make, we're just going to be unapologetic about it and just make as many as we can. <laughs> what I love is the fact that you said at the start, oh, we make a lot of Simpsons references. And I kind of thought in my head, well, we don't, but okay. And this, I think in the first 40 minutes of this, we've made more than we ever have ever. <laughs> oh, it's such a great show. It's better than what we're watching here. I'm, I'm quite enjoying watching them on Disney Plus at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so next week we have the dun-dun-dun-dun plug for the show. Oh, what's the big main event going to be? Dun, 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 dun. Tatanka's in action. Dun, yes. dun, dun, dun. Sarah Sean and Diesel. Dun, 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 dun. Bulldogs on King's Court. Dun, 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 dun. Watch Raw. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sold. Usually you plug a feature match, even if it's something crappy like dun, 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 dun. Dwayne Gill. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Phil Apollo. Dun, 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 dun. Loser doesn't eat for a month. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> But they normally, <laughs> but they normally throw in a little line about each one. They're like Tatanka, the man who sold out to the million dollar man, Dwayne Gill, so, who has been described as a wrestler on this show <laughs> in action next week. Lex Luger, dun 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 dun, has no personality, dun 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 dun. Overpush, dun 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 dun, and that was from his own memoirs. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> That's from his own mum. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> what I like is that Bulldog is on next week. I uh, can't because whether he wants it, to be or not. It's <laughs> whether he wants to be or not. <laughs> uh, it's off. nice because because in the, in the the parallel, the sister podcast of this one, in parallel, the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown review that I do with Matthew. British Bulldog's just about to go away for a while. Oh, what's... so I'm really sad because me and Matt, I genuinely think that I've 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 lost about four years of my life laughing at British Bulldog at this point. No and more just the just the blood pressure bubbling whenever I've had, to, and there was genuinely a point where we had to stop the recording because I thought I was about to pass out because it was so funny to watch Bulldog in 1999, and it's like just as he's leaving. The timeline in 99, he appears in ours just since. <laughs> He's back in 94. Where I'm he, so happy. Up where he belongs. I can't wait. 94 Bulldog. And he said he, the difference being that he cares a bit more. Like oh. in 99, my God, like you watch him walk out to the ring. He wanted to be anywhere else but where he was. And you could read it all over his face. And that was the joy, the sheer joy of a British Bulldog who couldn't be asked. Just get, just pay me and I'll do the bare minimum and I'll leave. Watching The Rock, who can pull out a great match with anybody, fusing with the British Bulldog and getting so pissed off with fighting the Bulldog that an hour after his pay-per-view match, an hour Rock has to come out and cut a promo to build his next rivalry because he doesn't want that hanging in the air any longer than it needs to. So it's like, I beat the Bulldog soundly. An hour later, I'm going to come back out, cut a promo on Triple H because I need to move on now. I don't want to think about that anymore. So I'm excited to get Bulldog in 94. <sighs> so... He's massive at this point as well, isn't he? Like, he's like a pepper army. Like, he's... He's just so beefy, and he's like too beefy because he's only a small guy, but he he's inflated with like helium at this point. 
Did you say proper army or pepperoni? Oh, a pepperoni. So <laughs> it's like a salami sausage thing they have in the UK. Okay. I, don't think okay. I, I, know, I know what in the hell you were talking about. He just looks like a pepperoni. Like the skin color and the texture of his skin. He looks like a pepperoni. Well, and But he's so inflated at this point. Like he's clearly on the roids. And he's massive. And he's well, so uncomfortable. That can't be. Vince was found not guilty. Yeah, but now the it's done now, and he can't be I, tried I, again. <laughs> so crack on. Well, you, Drugs all around, lads. Well, Tom, that's not how that works. It, it's like for something different, you can be. It's not like like you, you're charged with murdering someone. Okay, you're found not guilty. You you can't just murder other people and say, "Oh, but I was found not guilty for that one." So is that true? Oh, I've made, I've made a terrible error. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. We have Jerry Lawler versus Duke the Dumpster Jersey next. Oh, now Lawler's been really busy. Do you know this? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been feuding with Sid Vicious in Memphis. So that's why he was so tired during this match, apparently. That's probably why he was knackered. Also, he's involved um, in a tour with the National Wrestling Alliance. They're, they're still smarting from the ECW betrayal, and they're trying mm. to sort of pick up the pieces a bit, and they've got Jerry Lawler involved in a title tournament. So he's been doing all sorts of stuff, and as you can say, as you say, it's probably why he was tired during this match. And yeah, you're listen, tired right now because you're yeah. yawning. I'm, I'm yawning just thinking of this match because, <laughs> Tom, we've been this doing this review start. for almost two years now. Mm-hmm. Pay-per-views aside, this may have been the worst match we've watched on Raw so far. This was a drag. I got the vibe that Lawler was going for that sort of old-school territory style. Mm. I'm a chicken heel who's going to duck and dodge everything. But there was this was this dragged. This didn't need to be as long or as thought out as it was. This was a house show match with a heat machine. This needed to be, and 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 I think people are going to question what kind of wrestling I like. Because I said already, mm-hmm. Luger should have been quick move and done. This should have just been Drosy drops Lawler and mm-hmm. off we go. With your permission, may I just read my notes verbatim? Please do. I will be quiet. Uh, well, you well you're free to add comments if you wish. Um, <laughs> I should probably uh, laugh heartily. <laughs> yes, yeah, so this um, and big in me as best you can. Hey, another Simpsons reference. <laughs> yeah, so Lola versus Duke. 
Savage says Lawler is cold and calloused. Not callous. Calloused. Calloused? <laughs> yes. But he's covered in bunions. <laughs> Lawler calls Duke trash man, making me hope for Danny DeVito. <laughs> which would have improved this match tenfold. Two guys know Andy Kaufman. Um, Duke brings out a covered trash bin you see in public places. Yes, instead of bringing his normal trash can, the metal one, he pushes out the rolling bin with the push flap that you that, that you put your um, Starbucks uh, empty coffee cup into or whatever. He's gone up in the world. He can now afford a bigger bin. Or maybe this is a, a plot device because he's not... <gasps> He's not carrying it. He's pushing it. No. Drosy did have great music. Savage calls Lawler the king of stalling. No, that's Zabisco. <laughs> Lawler's so happy. No, that is, that is Lord Stalling. <laughs> <laughs> of Stallington. <laughs> Lord John. Sta- <laughs> Lord Stalling Stallington. <laughs> Lawler's so happy to apply a headlock. McMahon ties Lawler bailing. Bailing from the ring to to the gone with the wind writer's house burning down. Then I wrote, to which, "Wow!" To which to which um, Savage then says, "Let's torch it." Like what? Lawler's career or the house from Gone with the Wind? Yes, Savage. Yes, Savage is a pyromaniac arsonist. <laughs> yes, um, because Vince likes to make timely like, like timely pop culture references. He says, "Well, Lawler bails from the ring." And speaking of uh, Gone, uh, the Gone with the Wind writer's house burned down this weekend it's like that is one hell of a stretch that is like, quite it must have been in the new it must have been like sort of top form news it's like it would be it, do you know what it'd be? it would vince mcmahon loves an old reference but he loves it when an old reference becomes timely in the same way that if he was on commentary for, uh-huh. if he was still on commentary for raw uh for like next week he would be i can i guarantee you he would say something like Whoa, there's Andrade. He looked like a sucker. Hey, talking to suckers, of course, Millie Small, who wrote My Boy Lollipop. She passed away last week. Which is timely, but unnecessary. Rob Van Dam is not that flexible. (laughs) Melina does not have that kind of elasticity. (laughs) The stretch like that. So after I wrote WoW, I wrote a lot of stalling. Back from break, and Lawler's playing hide the object. More stalling. Lawler punches Duke with the object during a knuckle lock. There's been maybe three moves. Lawler building heat, in quotes. Pile driver connects, but no cover. Lawler goes for the trash bin, but Dink was in, and he sprays Lawler. I should put like a squirt bottle, because he's not like a... He's going to spray him organically. Lawler chases Dink around ringside and gets counted out. Fans actually start booing, but the heat machine fixes that, sort of. Dink runs back out and bites Lawler's ass. Lawler gets embarrassed afterward and bails. Doink taunts Lawler with Burger King crown. Lawler leaves for the crowd to escape this angle. The clowns laugh. But the important thing is Duke won and... Well, that's uh, that. On to the Lawler-Doink feud, which will see a Survivor Series match that we'll never forget. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta keep Lawler strong! (laughs) Yes, Lawler was the Roman of his day. So, Action Zone is coming, Tom. It is. This is uh, an interesting one. Let's talk more action. The first two episodes are great. And then, and then the show is never relevant again. 
Do you know what this is all about? Do you know why this is this is being highlighted so much? Well, this is the re- this is the replacement for all American wrestling, but you may have something else to discuss here. Well, uh, at this particular point, um, as they talk about in the Observer, it's a it's a bit of a rough time for wrestling. Not to do with the product. The product isn't particularly great at the moment anyway but it's more the fact that the nfl season and the nfl is just spanking the wrestling in the ratings just it's just bad it's bad so uh, all american which was typically kind of a wrestling show and a talk show like i think a, one of the back in the day back in the day a big <laughs> point of uh of, of interest for that show was the banter between bobby heenan and gene oakland and they'd be on their travels, and they'd be different, going to different locations, and that was a big pull for the show, wasn't it? Well, that was a bit later in the show's run. In the day, it was more just like a studio show with one feature match. But All American is notable for being the first WF four right on the cable, though, in 1983. So it's historic in that sense, at least. But it's getting battered by the Fox NFL pregame show, and last week mm-hmm. uh, it got battered pretty badly. So it's being revamped as uh, the action zone or the zone uh, it's going to be and the slogan is more wrestling less talk and they they really lay this on thick especially in the run in the opening to the next match where vince is saying hey it's not like the other sports shows which is all pre-game talk there's actually things happening on this one so why don't you watch us and not the football, yeah, marks? Like, he really just goes to town on the NFL, but in a very subtle, passive-aggressive way. Yes, and very subtle. Highlight the highlight the zone here. Because if Vince is known for anything, it's subtlety. Uh, so it's part of a big plan for WWF to, uh, to, to bring people to watching their product on a Sunday. To lose by less on Sundays? basically to lose less not they're not they're not flying they're falling in style (laughs) well the first two episodes of action zone have each have a great match on it it's just after that the show is so completely irrelevant that nobody even thought about it anymore that's true it was uh it was it was there and then it wasn't pretty much the heavenly bodies versus mike bell and steve king apparently Cornette didn't feel like coming to this taping Oh, do you want to know where Jim Cornette is? <laughs> well, I, I know this story, but when the, I should point out that when this was taped, this was way before that incident. Yeah, so but, it's it's kind of it's kind of timely that he's not ironic. on this. It is ironic, that, rather. Actually, it's, I, I apologize. It's coincidental. Coincidental. So, you want to walk us through this, Tommy? Well, if you know it, man, you tell us the story. I talked loads well, this week. Well, I don't know the full story off the top of my head. I'd have to go hit back on my browser here again and go into the prior Observer edition, one of which was Jim Cornette arrested over ball bat incident. <laughs> should, I, should I just read this verbatim? Or I yeah, I think so because I try to I try to kind of citate it, but it's very difficult to because Meltzer, as much as we love him, does tend to sometimes write in chicken scratch. Uh, okay. So it's, it's a lot of covers. Okay, because because I, I have heard Cornette tell his story before on his um on his YouTube or on his podcast. So um, so basically the, the gist of this is pretty much I believe true. I don't think there's any falsehoods in here, but so maybe someone someone out there can confirm. The latest in the saga of Jim Cornette and Smoky Mountain Wrestling is that the SNW promoter and Booker was arrested and cited for vandalism and destruction of personal property 
on September 12th, stemming from an incident the previous night when he smashed all the windows and the front and back windshield of former employee Casey O'Connor's car with a baseball bat. All right, this is good. Cornette was charged with two misdemeanors by the Hamlin County Sheriff's Office. Although a determination was 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 to be made this week whether the vandalism charge will be elevated to a Class C felony, the lowest level of felony, based on the financial amount of the damage, the estimated repair charge for replacing the windows in O'Connor's Nissan is $800. He was released after posting a $5,000 bond, and the arraignment was scheduled for September 14th. Both Cornette and O'Connor gave remarkably similar, since in two different sides. Turns out normally give totally different versions of the same story. Stories as to what happened at about 6.30 p.m. on Sunday night. O'Connor, who was one of the one of two non-wrestling performing employees of SMW, the other being Pam Lawson, who either quit or was fired around the same time, was fired by Cornette on August 7th. On that night, Cornette accidentally left his tennis racket under the ring at a show in Beckley, West Virginia, where he wrestled. When the ring crew couldn't find the racket, by the way, uh, Meltzer can't spell racket correctly, O'Connor told him not to worry because he had one of Cornette's rackets in his car. Cornette asked him where he got it, and he reminded Cornette that he gave it to him a few months earlier to, to, to mail the bill after for a pro wrestling illustrated contest. Cornette said that was the straw that broke the camel's back and fired O'Connor on the spot, and largely blamed O'Connor for much of the recent negative publicity. <laughs> okay, um, O'Connor said he was owed $300 in out-of-pocket expenses for work he'd already done and money he laid out for the company. And asked Cornette if he could be reimbursed. Cornette claims he told O'Connor he'd see if he could help him out, while O'Connor says Cornette told him he'd pay him. O'Connor then went on a trip to, to Wyoming after leaving Morristown. This is like a this is like a documentary. This could be a movie. Over the weekend, Cornette remembered that six months earlier he had lent O'Connor his video camera. Cornette called up. I don't know why I'm laughing. This is pretty straightforward. Cornette called up Anthony Michaels on September 11th a prelim wrestler who works on the ring crew and was O'Connor's roommate, asking if O'Connor had left behind a video camera. Michael said he didn't know, but, but that Cornette could talk to O'Connor, who had just arrived back in town from his trip. The two had a discussion on the phone centering around Cornette wanting his video camera back and O'Connor wanting his money reimbursed. O'Connor was also mad at Cornette because while he was gone, Bruiser Bedlam had been staying at his apartment without his knowledge, which Cornette said he didn't even know about. Cornette told O'Connor, that he had cost him and the company more than three three hundred dollars in screwing up and, and in personal aggravation. Told him he was going to pay his expenses and was going to ch- was going to charge him for the money he claims he caused him by screwing up. Cornette blamed him f- for publicity not getting the local sponsors on time in certain cities and recent negative torch articles. Oh, that's why Cornette hates Wade Keller. O'Connor told Cornette that he wouldn't give up give back his video camera, and Cornette told him he was coming over immediately to get it. After a phone call, his last one. There's just two paragraphs left. After a phone, after a phone call or two by O'Connor to other SMW wrestlers, he was given the advice to make sure he, to get his car out of the area so he, so he had Michaels drive his car elsewhere. However, by the time Michaels was in the car and pulling out, Cornette was arriving and blocked the driveway. Cornette got out of the car, and Michaels said he didn't want to be caught in the middle of the situation. Cornette asked O'Connor for his camera, and O'Connor asked for his money. Cornette said he didn't have the money and O'Connor wasn't going to give him the camera. Cornette then told O'Connor he'd smash up the car with a baseball bat if he didn't get his camera, and pretty well made good on his threat. While that was going on, O'Connor called the police. Cornette, who could see him dialing his phone and figured he was he was doing, and figured, figured what he was doing as he was smashing up the car, 
decided he didn't want to spend Sunday night in jail and left town before turning himself in the next morning and being cited for vandalism. So. Dun, 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 dun. That was too dramatic. Jim Cornette basically having a Michael Douglas falling down moment in 1994. <laughs> or to tie it into The Simpsons, a Frank Grimes moment. He had it. Do you know what? That's better. He had a Frank Grimes moment <laughs> where Jim, like I love this. Like Jim Cornette is an angry man at the best of times. But for that tiny little thing to to, to go from <laughs> to to go from um, you owe me a camera to I am smashing your car with a baseball bat. Well, <laughs> is incredible. I just keep thinking of the scene from The Big Lebowski when um <laughs> when. When a Walter's smashing the uh, car with a crowbar or whatever it was, like this is what happens when you f a stranger in the A, and turns out it's the wrong car. It's like I take away the crowbar and start smashing the other car. <laughs> would have been funny if it was the wrong car. It would have. But uh, yeah, so I imagine that even if Raw was live this You're week, killing your father, I think Jim probably would have. Anyway, go on. <laughs> you tear me apart, Lisa. Um, <laughs> It's a different movie, but go on. <laughs> I know. I feel like um, even if Raw had been live this week, I don't think Jim would have been there. I'd imagine that WWF, having just completed like a a high profile court trial, probably wanted to disassociate themselves with somebody who had just committed vandalism. And the funny thing is, I think Cornette and O'Connor are okay with each other now. <laughs> I guess, you know what? That doesn't surprise me. I haven't heard a story in a while, but I remember Cornette telling pretty much this exact story. So the story here is it's pretty much been, like, been corroborated in the years since. I think it's, I think it's mm-hmm. him and O'Connor just like that. It's water under the bridge. So that's good to hear, at least. They're friends now. We'll wait for that to happen. I want them to talk about it on a podcast. On the drive through podcast, because that seems appropriate. <sighs> so it's Bodies versus Mike Bell and Steve King. The story behind why Jim Cornette isn't there is more interesting than the match, which Jim Cornette should have been at. All right, your turn. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, 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 that's it. <laughs> just, it just, this is a standard exhibition match. Heavenly bodies win very quickly. Well, yes. Uh, the match began during the Iker prone Slim Jim break. The, the most important thing in this match, other than Vince's explanation, was Savage calling a suplex a suplex in honor of Gordon Sully. Love that. I love. Why did Gordon Sully always call it a souffle? I have no idea. Maybe he just wanted like a cheese souffle or something. <laughs> do you reckon it was just he was hungry when he was doing wrestling? It's always you should never do wrestling commentary when hungry. Never. You should never do like when when Matthew and I do commentary for North. Like he always has snacks. He always brings food because if he gets hungry. He he loses concentration. And I have peanut M and M's right here. I, hit, I just hit mute and pop one in whenever you're talking. And oh, very nice. They they are tasty. I've I've got no snacks, but but we've eaten a copious amount of baked goods. Not not in a in a drug, mm-hmm. um, because uh, Alex has been doing a lot of baking here. So we've we've had a relatively endless supply of of cupcakes and brownies, and we're all. F- 40 pound heavier than we were before lockdown so that's i told good. you before but i'll tell you again you know you outkicked your coverage right <laughs> yes <laughs> as long as long as you remember that so the match is just very basic uh vince says cornet's in toronto appealing to jack tunney for some reason uh, maybe tunney's like his, his bankrolling his uh, defense against casey o'connor or whatever 
quite possibly. I hear this mighty decision that you had every right to smash his car with a baseball bat. <laughs> Actually, Tony gets referenced twice in this. He does. Remind me. Yeah, okay. Consider you reminded. Okay, remind, okay, remind me of the other part. What, what, what was the other tiny thing? During the Bob Backlund bit. Okay. Savage goes, Tony! Okay, okay, uh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> when it's all, when all the, when all the I'm thing. I'm sorry. When the thing is, I, is, is thinging I, in the thing. I, I, <laughs> the I thought you meant this match. I'm like. Oh, no, no, no. Once in the okay, okay. it does get referenced in, in the, the thing with, with him, with who do you know? Okay, okay. What's it? Him. <laughs> okay, 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 I get it. This is this is a wrestling prod podcast. Yo thingy who did the thing. Then that's that thing. Anyway, Pritchard hits a doctor bomb on poor Steve King. Delray gets his weird springing moonsault to win. Mike Bell doesn't even tag in, gets paid anyway. Good for Mike Bell. It's a great night for Mike Bell. Not him to do any work and getting all twenty dollars. It's the American dream. <laughs> so we get another of these insipid um Catholic church vignettes. This time it's a one. This one makes even less sense. Yes, um, I was going to ask you if you if you can interpret this for me. So, um, a woman comes into the church in this advert for the, for wrestling. Mm -hmm. uh, she goes to the confession box and says, "I've been having uh, impure thoughts mm -hmm. since starting to watch the WWF." And she talks about Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and Razor Ramon. And uh, she feels bad because she's had impure thoughts. And then the vicar, who is in the other confession box, is watching WWF Raw. And he says, what's it? He says, he says, oh, we can do something about that. Yeah. And then it ends. Yeah. <laughs> Does that suggest he's going to Shagger? Like, that's what that's I what, That's what I got from this. He, he, says, he, he says we can work something out. And I'm like. That's it. Is he going to, like, um, say, like, look, I'll absolve you, but you got to do this for me. And it's like, and what that this is could be very um, unsavory. And I'm like, what the, the hell did I just watch? I genuinely think Vince McMahon writes these um, new generation adverts when he's a bit tired. Over the hard on. And does and doesn't you all with the hard on, <laughs> and just doesn't check them. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tired. Well, maybe it's both. But <laughs> could quite easily be both. But Tom, it's time for a palate cleanser. Oh, here we we're going to take our forearm and possibly parts of our arm beyond our elbow. We're going to put it on the table and we're going to wipe the slate clean. We're going to move on to a segment that redeems this entire show. This segment alone makes this an episode of Raw that you should watch. But just this part. But just this part. <laughs> Everything else is thrown away. This... This this is uh, this is five years ahead of its time. We're about to see. We're about to visit our good friend, Mr. Bob Backlund. So Backlund comes out for an interview with Vince. He's wearing his St. Augustine Kids Wrestling Club jacket, which makes this even better for some reason. <laughs> it's just the fact that it just continues to make him look like an old wrestler, like an old school wrestler. Someone who's really uncool. Yes. Vince says that Backlund typifies what being a champion meant in a manner of speaking. I guess I don't know what the hell that word means. Typify, exemplify, because he just combined the two. Backlund here is just very placid. Has a very blank look on his face. He kind of he looks at Vince, then he stares ahead, and he kind of just 
he doesn't react to anything. You almost feel a bit, and this is why I love this bit. Like you almost feel a bit sad for him because you because you get the impression that this is a guy. And before he t- goes into talking, you get the impression this is a guy who was a big star who overreacted a week or two ago and is a bit lost so there's a moment this is this is why it's so good there's a moment where you kind of feel a bit sad for him because he's just kind of got this this vacant look on his face almost a bit sad like lo- or just lost and you go oh man well there's a few moments like that where, it yes it's uh so yes 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 back on this kind of this, as you mentioned the vacant stare mcmahon questions where his old values are He's, he's rubbing Brett's victory over back on two months ago in his face. And he says, and then you snapped. And Savage has that go, snap, like he's like a, he's a church choir. <laughs> so Backlund begins orating here. He claims he stole the champion. He never lost it uh, all those years ago when Arnold Scullin threw in the towel. He, he says, I recently celebrated 16 years as champion, and I'm looking forward to the 18." <laughs> See, now that may have been a, a flub, and if it was, then that's a pretty bad flub. But they, but they can't explain the way by saying that Backlund is not all there. Yeah. So, and Backlund mentions that he's cognizant. You're damn right he is. He says, "My <laughs> the problem is my standards are too high for you plebeians. In this day and age, teachers help kids cheat." And then he says, "Principals dress like women." <laughs> I think it's what he said. What the hell? Um, <laughs> the thing about Bob back on promos is that you don't know what the hell he's saying half the time, but they're awesome. It's the way he says it. It's the way he orates that you're just captivated. Yeah, Bob back can read a freaking McDonald's menu, and it's like, what the hell are you talking about? Even though what he's saying are, are in fact words in improper order, because it, 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 it's his it's his delivery, which. Chris Jericho once he quitted to sound like Spongebob on Quaaludes. <laughs> so we get this really eerie close-up of his face while he pauses. And he goes, we live in utopia if you live up to my standards. Because he's not one of us anymore. And, no. and he hopes that we felt the chicken wing's pain. Because nobody can get out of the chicken wing. And then Backlund says the following, you suffer from dyslexia. He's got a few with Eve Ann Sullivan. He's going to jump ship. He just... It was a weird thing to scream at the crowd that we all suffer from dyslexia. Yeah, how dare us. Okay. It reminds me of the Mitch Hedberg bit where he says, alcoholism is a disease. What's the disease you get yelled at for having? It's like, <laughs> like, 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 damn it, Otto, you're an alcoholic. Damn it, Otto, you have lupus. One of these two doesn't sound right. <laughs> damn it, Otto, you're dyslexic. <laughs> It's true. Of course, Otto is dyslexic. He spells his name backwards. (laughs) (laughs) End the podcast there. Thanks for coming, everybody. No, we can't. Enjoy Money in the Bank. No, we can't. The segment's too good. We've got to carry on. This this, 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 this ramps up. Vince takes exception. Not the fact that you get the crap for having dyslexia, but for saying that the chicken wing has no escape. But Backlund is so confident, he says he will retire if anyone can escape the chicken wing. And off comes the jacket. And we think he's going to beat Vince up, and I'm, and I'm excited. 
Because anyone who beats Vince up is my hero. <laughs> Even Savage wants to see it because Savage is tired of sitting at that goddamn table. So Backlund's gone. He's ready. So, so Vince's like, do we have someone who can take Backlund on his challenge to see if, uh, you know, if, 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 if this hold is in fact unes- inescapable? So Backlund calls in Luigi and Frito. Chekhov's magazine writer at ringside, who just happened to be spotlighted about, oh, 30 minutes ago, for the first time ever. And Lou gets in there, Lou's wearing a, a button-up shirt with the sleeves rolled up and just regular slacks, or like, like, like gray jeans or something. Lou Gianfrido appears to be about 5'5". Five five. That's important here. He, that, yeah, he's a tiny, tiny guy. Fun fact about Lou, by the way, he, he actually became a bodybuilder later in life. I swear to God. No, I read this as well. I was very surprised. Because Lou looks like he looks like a friendly, skinny young man here, just like like affable, but like non-threatening. Which which is why he's you know ideal for this segment because because he is pretty uh pretty skinny. So so Vince is kind of questioning like like Lou Frito, the writer for the WF magazine, because he has to say all that and to make sure the audience knows who the hell he is. Lou Gianfrido, the guy who writes for the magazine that you guys all subscribe to and have read his article. Well, I'm sure I'm sure, all, I'm sure it makes you just look at the pictures, but but yeah, this this guy who has a reason to be here. And Backlund says, <laughs> Backlund says the following: He's not going to be fallacious with us. <laughs> fallacious. The first reference I like to it's anything, a, bit of a, a weird combination of other things. The first reference to Felicio and WF Television did not come during the Attitude Era. It came from the new generation, from Bob Backlund, and God bless him for it. So Backlund makes it clear: if Luigi and Frieda can get out of this hold, I will retire. So indeed, Lou says he's game four. He, he sounds nervous as hell. Turns around, Backlund uh, wings the arm, grabs Gianfrido by the chin with his other hand, you know, jerks it over, tightens up on the arm. Lou's uncomfortable. He's going, easy, Bob, and, 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 and almost a stammer. And Vince goes, well, Lou, can you get out of it? And Lou's just like, easy, easy. And, and Vince's like, all right, all right, Mr. Backlund, you've proven your point. Uh, you let him go now. But Backlund does not let him go. Oh, no. He begins throttling Lou. He's ragdolling him around while screaming maniacally. Ah! And, and Lou's just being whipped to and fro. <laughs> Backlund falls on the mat and applies, applies the body scissors. The cameraman scrambles to get out of the ring. As if it's like a horror movie taking place. He's fleeing the ring. Vince jumps down on Backlund and tries to pull him off. A gaggle of officials hit the ring. Savage hits the ring. It's a mad scene. It's a melee. They're pulling Bob Backlund off this poor young man. Finally, they drag Backlund off. They're yelling at Backlund. Backlund is blank. He is confused. They're helping Lou away. Backlund stares at his hands again as if he can't believe what he's just done. And, at, and after he does that, he looks at the camera, kind of cocks his head and smiles a little bit like, eh? Eh? <laughs> this man is nuts. And then, as they help Lou away into the locker room, Backlund takes the microphone and says, my name is Mr. Backlund. Did you feel it? That was awesome. So.
so good. <clears throat> you you just you described it perfectly. The <clears throat> the 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 mania of Backland in this scene <laughs> is phenomenal. It's and it felt like and I, and I and I said this a couple of times. This felt like a segment five years ahead of its time because because it felt like the curtain came down because you had this scene where a guy if it really felt like a guy was going against the script which he wasn't but it felt like it cameras falling down sudden rush of officials you had savage jump the ring like no commentary just this feeling of chaos of confusion and distress and chaos it was and also and also I believe this is the first time we've seen Vince McMahon get physically involved the way he did. I can think of one other time, but you're pretty much right. But the, yeah, okay. Apart from, which was the other time? That's when Piper hit with a chair by accident. When ah yes, there is that as well. But like with this, like and the and the, Vince, so Backlund has got the chicken wing on, and Vince grabs Backlund, and is is throttling him. And the crowd are going wild for this. The crowd are into Vince attacking Backland. And this is five years before we get Vince McMahon the character and Vince McMahon the boss and all this stuff. This is half a decade before this. And the crowd are clamoring for it. And also, I love the fact that Vince was getting physically involved and literally Savage leapt out of his seat. Because, like, Savage is like, oh, I want a bit as well. (laughs) Savage gets in the ring. And did you notice as well... But as Savage got in the ring, the officials surrounded the ring. Savage swung for Backland and accidentally hit Vince. <laughs> accidentally. Well, that's it. There. But that again, it's that element of just chaos in this scene where, like, Savage is is going for Backland and he accidentally ends up hitting Vince. And it wasn't like highlighted. Vince didn't sell it, but it was. A, it just added to that feeling of this is beyond the norm. This isn't what we were expecting. This is a guy going beyond the pale. <laughs> And oh, I loved it. It was it was incredible. This is definitely a show that needs. We didn't expect that. If ever a show needed, yeah. we we didn't expect this to happen. This is it. This is the period that needs yeah. it. It was something. It just it it's just so funny how they're so desperately trying to get across these new guys as stars. Like they they spent an entire summer trying to get fans to rally behind Lex Luger, yet they have just reinvented one of the oldest of old guards in a 12-minute segment, in less than than 12 minutes. It's like you want to see what happens next, and that is Bob Backlund's so crazy. Who knows what he's capable of doing? This is it. I want to see more of this Bob. And he just felt so different to everything else in, in the wrestling world. He felt so different. Yeah, there's no going through the motions here. His promo style is so unorthodox that it actually comes off as interesting because you know it's jarring compared to everything, everything else around. That's so cookie cutter and prefab. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's just it's star. It's star remaking. It's star redefining. It just and the the stuff they will do in weeks to come with Bob Backlund uh, and the the match on the cards down the road. It's funny when we talk about the this one flag bearer and his litany of of title opponents yet the real guy who's going to work with him we've just met and 
the match they have, I think uh, it goes to, in, in terms of fans' interest, goes different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about it as Survivor Series. Survivor Series. A couple months away until then. We got a little more build. Not from this match, though. Bob Holly versus Richie Rich. Oh, here we go. Right, back to normal. <laughs> back in the new generation now. Do you notice that he's now, that Thurman's gone? Well, sort of, because Finkel still introduces him as being Thurman Sparky Plug. But the but the Chiron says Bob, Bob Sparkplug Holly. Keep in mind, this is August. Yeah, that's true. So there is that mm-hmm. as well. But um, but I get, to, again, and it's this lovely time where the, the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown review and the Cultaholic Classic Raw review sort of simultaneously simulcast with one the more things change uh, as <laughs> i exactly because i have here an, ext- an extract from bob holly's book which uh, if you heard the smackdown review this week uh Maff and i got some big laughs out of um but regarding the name change from thurman sparky plug uh, bob holly writes after i'd been with the company about six months i decided to go for broke and talk to vince about my name I was nervous as hell to bring it up because I didn't want him to think I was ungrateful that he'd given me a job. But I knew that nobody would ever take me seriously with the name Thurman Plug. I made sure to thank Vince for the opportunity for explaining my thoughts about the name. He understood and asked what I suggested changing it to. I told him, Bob, Spark Plug Holly, and he was okay with it. I think he respected me for actually bringing it up to him. So after that, I became Bob, Spark Plug Holly. I was happy with that name. I didn't like the spark plug bit, but I figured we'd take one step at a time. I still had the race car driver gimmick, and that gave me an identity, so that was fine with me. So it was actually Bob Ollie that went to Vince and went, I don't want to be Thurman anymore. I suggested the name Shorty B. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so new, 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 pers- slightly new persona for uh, for Bob. He's facing Robert Howard. He's facing Richie Rich here, who looks like a gargoyle. <laughs> Not the prettiest of men. No, but his name's Richie. To be honest, you think Richie Rich? You think of the little blonde-haired kid in the suit from the cart in the comic books? Yeah, it did seem strange to name him immediately after. It's that. like why is he? It's like he was like Casper. <laughs> <laughs> so Savage and Vince are really like upset over what just happened in that previous segment. They're, they're really putting over. You know, back on snapping, and now it's like that shouldn't happen. We apologize. We hope we'll lose okay. And then apologizes for not calling the match. Yeah, because it's the first time it's ever ever happened. <laughs> Holly, they always go off on a tangent. I like how now they apologize. Yeah, it's like for you know, who the hell goes off on tangents anyway? Did she, did she said one Simpsons were um were Homer <laughs> anyway. Exactly. Holly gets in his kick-ass looking dropkick, high crossbody finishes, matches the back backdrop for the background shatter, just a, a visual bed, so to speak. Then we come to the Fine. pseudo main event. Yokozuna versus Phil Apollo. No Corny or Fuji. Was Fuji driving Corny's car? <laughs> Fuji saw Cornette swinging with a bat and just joined in. Didn't know what was going on. We're just like, hey, I just wanted to join in. Maybe the whole camera racket thing was a to be rib. violent. It was just a rip that Fuji orchestrated for his own amusement. Oh, do you know what? I think it might have been. <laughs> <laughs> that Fuji loves a good rib. Fuji loves a rib. 
And Yoko loves ribs. He's massive at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, uh... I mean, who, who doesn't love beef spare ribs, though? It's true, yeah. but, you know, in, in, in moderation. Well, that's true. Well, speaking of the... We had the opposite of, um, girth here. As Vince mentioned, it's Twiggy's birthday. Does Vince do it deliberately as Yoko's making his entrance to reference the birthday of Twiggy? I have no idea, but we went from, oh my god, I can't remember what happened to Lou. We're so sorry we're not calling this match to, hey, it's Twiggy's birthday. Vince's work mode. He's got to crack on. Yes, it's, it's, it, it's what Luigi and Frida would have wanted. <laughs> Vince, get out there and commentate. That's actually a really good Lou. <laughs> I'm not leaving you, Lou. No, Vince, get out there and talk. Tell them it's Twiggy's birthday. <laughs> Lou looks like Evelyn. <laughs> Lou looks like him and Enzo to form a team called Before and After. <laughs> True story. He goes on to become Enzo Amore. Vince, I'm uh, I'm a certified G, and, and, and I was a I was a bona fide stud, but Bob busted my arm. You can't teach that though. <laughs> and and this here, this is Big Randy, and he's six foot two, and he's not gonna wrestle anymore because <laughs> you won't let him, Vince. <laughs> you can't teach that though. We're <laughs> gonna be tag team champions with this little guy. I don't know what that means. <laughs> John, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, Big Rand and Enzo Alue. Little Louie. Enzo Alue. Little Louie. Anyway, so Yoko just methodically beats on Philip Pollard for a while as Vince talks about some 40-foot inflatable takers that we're going to see outside all the house shows as this show's really gone off the rails. Imagine, like, I like that's going to bring people to the show. Two things from house shows. It was the big inflatable taker and a Paul Bearer lookalike contest. <laughs> Boy, are they really saying a lot about their fans at that point? I think it's, uh, yeah, I mean, like, you, I mean, you, you know, you, Vince has looked at the wrestling fans and gone, well, we can't do an Adam Bomb lookalike contest, so, <laughs> Paul Barrow lookalike contest, anybody? Just like one of the following people, either <laughs> Paul Bearer, Lou Gianfrido, or Bull Nakano. <laughs> like, can I miss Elizabeth? No, we can't do that. We don't have fans that look like that. In, in their mind, anyway, not to not to personally comment on it, but I'm just giving their giving the office perspective. No, in the eyes, the of, office. In the eyes of Vince McMahon. Yeah. So Yoko just pounds on Apollo in the corner for a while. He face washes him, which can't feel good. Ugh. This is the most like slow squash ever. Yoko just bonsai's him without any, you know, ceremony or drama. He's already down the corner. He kind of just pulls him out and does the bonsai. Like, all right, it's the end of a taping. I'm 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 knackered. I, I need to get a shower. Exactly. They plug some sort of bastardized Amityville horror shining style TV movie. And Savage says Lewis Fletcher when he meant to say Louise Fletcher, who was Nurse Ratched in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. <laughs> I didn't spot that. Come on, Chief. Brilliant. Don't you want to watch the game? <laughs> well done, Randy. You nailed it as always. You nailed those, you nailed those libraries, Randy. Randall P. McSavage. I just like how the joke is that Randy Savage is crap at live reads. <laughs> it's, it's the best thing he has going right now. 
It really is. It really is. I think it's just Vince trying to lower his value. It's not working. So Yoko wins, and then the gongs go off. Yoko's scared. He bails because Taker is near. Or either that or a 40-foot inflatable Undertaker, one or the other. <laughs> I'd love it if... Oh, imagine if Yoko faced an inflatable Undertaker instead. The, that bond that dropped could, could kill like everyone in the, in the immediate vicinity. That'd be fine. Well, it's, oh, hey, why is house show attendance down? I don't know. Well, either everyone's dead or they don't like the product. <laughs> Dave, uh, well, we think they're dead, but we're not sure. <laughs> well, there were a lot of victims, but you gotta, you gotta under, well, this, I think, well, no one, di- well, actually, some people died, no, actually, no one died. Well, yeah, there were some dead, but no, um, yeah, three people died. Um, <laughs> it got big reception in Pittsburgh, I understand. <laughs> Um. Yeah, it's. I wouldn't do it all the time. It's because it, it's hard to get repeat customers when you kill people. Um, I find that the majority of dead people don't go to a live show after. Well, I mean, I personally use um <laughs> three corpses to use the carpool lane. <laughs> Weekend at Meltzer's. <laughs> John. <laughs> John. <laughs> Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez in Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, I'm getting my Observer subscription cancelled, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> Why, your money's as good as anyone's. That's, that's true. So next week, Sean and Deal team up to face somebody. Bulldog's on King's Court whether he wants to or not. <laughs> the talk is in action. <laughs> when we come to the moment that justifies the entire show, the graphic of the Luigi and Frito update, which is just Backlund holding him in a chicken wing while making a great face and Luke suffering. <laughs> and then Savage going, Hey, we have an update on Luigi and Frito. <laughs> if you didn't bust out laughing looking at that picture, did you have no soul? I did. It was it was so funny. It was all this all this effort into all these other graphics, and then like just this cobbled together bit for freedom. It's just for, like the like the help line for like you could send money to Lou so that he could feel better or whatever with that graphic. But then, but then if that's not enough, we end with Vince asking if Savage is going to be there next week. I am. Are you going to be there? I'm going to be there too. And that's how they end it. <laughs> like what the heck? Okay, we have ten seconds of film. Come up with something. <laughs> They're just padding, aren't they? Just padding. <laughs> so goes, Vince, you like the taste of human flesh, and then the show goes off the air. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be so tempted just to end with something like that. You ever seen a grown man naked? <laughs> end. Yeah, ready to see. Yes, it's <laughs> Savage and Airplane. <laughs> this is going to be doing something. Vin- Vince, I killed a man. <laughs> end. <laughs> it's like, 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 so how much did you pay the jury? End. <laughs> Hang on, Linda's calling me. And and scene. <laughs> so yeah, that was a uh, that was quite the episode of Raw. That was um, that was. You know how Monday Night Raw this week has been uh, a tough one to get through, 
but one moment has made it like a five stars. Yes, it was. Um, we actually watched Over the Edge '98 last week for the watch along with the awesome Dude Love main event, but the rest of the show was just pure tripe. For the watch along, by the way, if you're a a Patreon with Cultaholic. Uh, Justin is doing watch-alongs on a Saturday night. When Just after this podcast goes up, you can head on over to the Cultaholic Discord if you're a Patreon, and they watch shows on a Saturday night. Um, it's good fun. And, uh... Yes, we're watching, um, I believe, Over Limit 2012 this week, which I did not vote for that. But... Re- he- the Patreons chose the episode you were going to watch this week oh, yeah. on the Discord. Ooh. And you had WrestleWar89 in there. And, and Over the Limit. And Judgment Day 2000 also. A- and Judgment Day 2000. And they went with Over the Limit. I'm, I'm done with Carl. <laughs> but we, uh, we have a young fan base. It's no excuse. Um, Youth is not an excuse for taste. That's true. That's true. Hey, um, I think it's about the time of the show, Tommy, where we, uh, where we throw things over to our our new third wheel, you know, the Ed Sheeran of Call to Hawk, so to speak, to nice. kind of summarize this week's episode and put it in music, as he does so well. He, de- he debuted last week. This will be his second appearance on the show. Here to sing about the the effects of this episode and the implications for the future is our good friend, the maestro himself, Strummerwitz. This song is about hope, being lost. Then found. Ted Turner's got momentum with Hogan in the fold. But that makes no sense, cause Vince says he's old. The savior of the south wears the yellow and the red. If he were on Monday's fans, would watch him instead. The new generation needs a leader and quick To neutralize Hulk Hogan and that demographic fix But fear not children, cause Vinnie Mac's got a plan He's gonna pin all his hopes on one specific man His name is Mr. Backlund, and he's got a youthful vibe. The kids adore the way he manhandled that scribe. Backlund may be 45, but age is just a number. He's barely old enough to work WrestleMania with Hunter. Backlund's gonna be the man, the Pabbies rejoice. For all you voiceless backlands, gonna be your voice Leading the youth movement through every city and state Because if we were all like savage, we would have him come and take Well, he's not wrong. 
One of my faves. <laughs> um, now if you think about Bob Backlund on a, in a very folksy kind of fashion. It should happen more often. It should happen more often. <laughs> and it's on that bombshell that we say, he is at JLRH Rising. I am at Tom Campbell. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. We will see you next week. John, maybe that melts the thing. Don't do it. I don't want to lose my subscription to Wrestling Observer. Love you. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic.